All right, guys, welcome to episode number nine of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. We are talking to Matthew Glade this week from Rally Moto Shop, part of that In the Bivouac series. We're going to be talking a little bit about gear and what you need for the whole adventure of, of getting into rally. So really good conversation. We actually went almost about an hour and a half and I've been racking my brain and trying to cut it up and thinking, you know what, how are we going to make this like way more concise and, and try and do that stuff? Cause you know, I try and shoot for shorter episodes so you don't get bored with my voice and, and what's going on. But honestly, I think this was a really good episode. Uh, even the offshoots have some information and have some really good insight into the future of rally and the the whys and why nots and that kind of stuff. So I left it as is. It is a good conversation. We're going to learn a lot. Uh, follow along on the chasingwaypoints.com uh, website. You can click on the blog there and you will see the article uh, getting in gear for rally rate. That is what we're talking about. Some of the stuff that we're talking about is on there. Links are provided so you can jump over to the Rally Moto Shop website and find out more. The goal was just to introduce the gear to you. You don't need to know about 12 volts and, and GPS and wheel speed sensors and all of that stuff. You just need to know you need one of the things. So that is what we're doing. Next episode, I'll tell you right now, now that you got your gear and it's coming, all right, we're going to show you how to do road books. So that is going to be for the next episode. So we're going to learn how to do just some basic road books, just some stuff to get you and the buddies out on the bikes uh, with some great insight that I also received from Matthew uh, that will help uh, people find find out a little bit more about it. So anyway, that's for the next episode. This episode, we're in the bivouac with Matthew Glade from Rally Moto Shop. So without further ado, here's the episode. So Tell me, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about your background as far as like events that you've done and, and things like that. What's uh, what was your beginnings in rally? So uh, I I've been a motorcycle guy my whole life. I grew up in the American Southwest um, and got my first bike when I was three and I've just loved everything to do with uh, with um, motorcycles and off road racing and uh, rally in particular just kind of grabbed me by the heart when I was young. And what was so exciting for me about it is, you know, when you look back at the origins of, of the Dakar rally, um, the guys that did that were not just motorcycle racers, they were adventurers. And so the whole thing was cast, it was created as this great adventure, this great personal test, you know, a way of, of testing your, your metal. And, you know, those guys did not just that kind of racing, but they did mountaineering and they did all kinds of other stuff. And that whole philosophy of, of the adventure racer just really kind of grabbed onto me. And so been a, a, a rally fan my whole life, been really um, kind of involved in what's happening around the, around the world with it. Um, and then my own racing really only started, I guess, about 10 years or so ago. Um, and uh, it's um, my day job um, uh, up until uh, up until this past year was as a, a senior rescue diver with the Canadian Coast Guard. And uh, I retired this past year as as, uh, as the longest serving rescue diver in in, uh, in the history of the Canadian Coast Guard. Um, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. 
and it also took a lot of my time. And so uh, my racing has been fairly limited up to the last uh, the last 10 years or so. Um, and I've had the opportunity to do Baja Rally. Um, I've done uh, lots of Sonora rallies. I've been there for everyone except for one where I was injured. And uh, now that I'm retired, my plan is to, to start extending that um, into Africa and into South America as well. Um, I've also got some great contacts um, in the Middle East and really looking forward to the racing in Abu Dhabi, um, hopefully this year as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like it was said, you know, it's, it's the ticket to travel around the world, you know? Yeah. 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 I've, I've had that conversation. Did, did you get, did you get that from Scott Bright? I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had that a similar kind of conversation with Scott. Um, yeah. And it really is. And, and, you know, I, you and I were talking about this, um, you know, when we first got on the, on the call, just what a great, um, uh, great way to experience the places you are uh, when you're racing, um, that you're really traveling as much as you're racing. And so you're, you're immersed in the local food and in the, you know, getting to meet all of the locals. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's a great way to see and experience the world for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and, you know, uh, the other one that I've seen and I, it totally just came to mind, but uh, Lyndon Poskett, and his yeah. and his travels, you know, what he's done and all that stuff. And it's like, you know, there's it's not a lot that's different. I mean, yeah, it's a rally raid and it's gonna be a little bit more confined. He's, you know, traveled all over the world, you know, just touring on on basically a rally bike. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and one of the things I think is important to understand, um, particularly for our, our North American friends who may not be as experienced with rally, is that there are, you know, very race oriented events, you know, Dakar and, and everything kind of within that family. Um, but in Europe in particular, there are a ton of um, roadbook rallies. And so they're essentially like kind of adventure bikey sort of things, um, but set up around a roadbook and set up around having that experience. And so it's, you know, often hotel to hotel, um, but really great riding and some navigation in between. And, and so there's, you know, rally includes that, that section, which I think for a lot of the, the big adventure bike community that we have in, in North America, like that kind of stuff would just be super fun. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree with that, and I've I've slowly worked to putting all that stuff together on my 790 mm. uh, for that for that reason, and I I want to see more of those events because I mean yeah you're right there's a ton of adventure bikes that are out there, and you know you could you could already be doing these events with just some minimal minimal equipment, you know on the on the bike. Yeah, absolutely. So minimal equipment. And, and the other thing about it, too, that's that's so much fun is, um, you know, in in uh, Mexico or well, not so much in Mexico, in, in um, uh, the U.S. and Canada, land use is such a complicated, challenging issue that holding any sort of large scale uh, rally type event is, is a difficult thing to do. Um, but when you scale it down that little bit into these roadbook events, um, there's lots of opportunity to make stuff like that happen. Uh, and one of the conversations that I have um, all the time with people is, uh, um, you know, they, they get interested in rally and they put some rally gear on their bike. And those same trails that they've been riding for 10 years are suddenly fresh again um, because they're experiencing them in that whole new way. Like they've added that navigational puzzle in and they've added a couple of extra pieces. And uh, and so it's a way of, you know, in addition to racing, in addition to traveling, doing these events, rally can be this great way to experience your own backyard um, with a, a fresh set of eyes. A whole nother. Yeah. And yeah. I, I can, I, 
you know, it's interesting that you say, because that's something that I've, I've told to a lot of guys, like when they go down and, and they're going to do the Baja rally or there's interest in it, or, you know, they sometimes I've had a conversation where people feel like they're going to be at a disadvantage, you know, when compared to the locals, and I go, well, wait, but the thing is, is with rally is, is you could have been down this trail, exactly what you just said a hundred times, you know, every single rock, you got names for them. And, and once it's a road book is involved, all of a sudden you're going to peel off on this little offshoot that you've never been down. And then you're going to come back and it's, you would have never have known that if you were just assuming the direction of travel and not, you know, not keeping up with the road book. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely true. And, and that's part of it too, you know, is that uh, when you add in that extra layer of the navigation into it, it, it shifts some of the, uh, some of the pressure and some of the focus off of going fast. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties. Uh, my body doesn't bounce quite the way it did 20 years ago. Um, rally is a way for me to really push my limits hard, but scale down that consequence of error a little bit. Um, because I'm not, you know, holding it wide open on a desert race. I'm not doing that kind of thing, uh, to the same degree. Uh, and you know, the, the whole, um, uh, wisdom beating speed thing becomes really true in rally. Um, you know, in that you don't have to be the fastest guy. You have to be the guy that is fast and can navigate and can take care of his body and can take care of his bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that whole package is what makes you successful as a, as a rally rider, which, which opens up, you know, the, the, the field to, uh, being competitive, even if you're not the fastest guy uh, yeah. on the throttle. And I've, I have absolutely seen that and it's been proven time and again. I mean, obviously the, the guys that, you know, you see at the top spots in the Dakar, I mean, they, they eat, sleep and breathe road books. So it's kind of a different, there's less of a separation there, but you come down to the local events and you can see that you can see guys that, you know, on a Baja race course, um, you know, like you say, you know, even if they were only allowed to go to second gear, you still couldn't catch them. They're just that fast. And, but the navigation part of it is the great equalizer. Yes. You know, you could, you could spend your time hunting down waypoints all day long where the other guy, you know, runs through like almost like the organization told him exactly where it was. Yeah. You know, and, and you're just making up time by not losing time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I mean, I'm just, I'm just some guy racer. Um, but, uh, I've had the, the, the opportunity to, to beat some of the world's best, um, because they have blown up their engines or they have gotten lost or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it, it's all, a, it's all a factor. Um, and with rally, there's a, there's a wonderful X factor in all of it too. Uh, you know, I, I do a little bit of track racing as well. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy the precision of that. Um, but, uh, in, in rally, you're, you're out in the real world. Um, you're not on a marked course. You're out experiencing everything that's there from donkeys to tractors, to washes, to whatever. And, um, some days it's your birthday and some days it's not. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's part of it too, which, which is, yeah, so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. And so the meat, you know, the meat and potatoes in this whole thing, we talked about the idea, right? We want to try and get like a resource for people that are interested in getting into the events, uh, getting into rally raid. Um, so you are rally motor shop. So that's, 
That that is correct. Yeah, for those that don't know us, we're yeah. So Rally Motor Shop um, is uh, we're one of the, if not the uh, largest supplier in the world of rally navigation and bike building equipment. Um, so we've got everything that you need to navigate. We've got um, fuel tanks, rear fuel tanks, um, kind of all of the accessories to kind of put that together. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, I hopefully it's coming through my voice, but I am just so excited and passionate about rally uh, the, the best part of my job is talking to people about their race or about building their bike um, and so we really have positioned our business as being a world kind of nexus for inspiration and information about rally so we sell all of the equipment um, but we answer all the questions um, that's really what we're here for is to kind of be that be a, a bit of a center for uh, for rally good yeah and that in it I mean, obviously that needs to exist and we need to get the word out because I, I feel like, you know, there's there's that interest that's kind of growing. And now that, you know, Americans are doing better at the car and there's more people going and doing that stuff that it's starting to come up towards the forefront a little bit. And and like you, I, I know there's a lot of people um, on on bikes and myself included, like, you know, it's. I want a fair shot at at winning a stage or winning a race or winning something, you know, and, and I think that this is the platform to be able to do that in, and a lot of guys are just tired of getting hung out to dry in some of these other races as motorcycle racers, you know, and would rather try something else. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 uh, you know, one last thing before it sounds like you want to move on to some equipment, but, yeah. uh, as far as the, that racing stuff, the other thing that really feels different to me about rally, um, versus other kinds of racing that I've done is that, um, for 80% of the field, a finish is as good as a win, right? Like the whole experience getting through every day, um, maintaining your body and your bike and getting the navigation right and getting to that day four, day five or day six or, or day 14, um, that is, has such a sense of accomplishment to it that, uh, you know, that, that broadens the tent of the people that really enjoy rally because it's not just the people that end up on the podium. Um, it's everyone else that stands there at the end with that finisher's medal. Yeah, I, I absolutely I absolutely agree with that. I register with the adventure side of it. And yeah, if you think, you know, 15 or well, what do we do? It was uh, 12 stages for the Dakar this year. You know, you have to put together 12 races basically and, yeah. and survive all 12 of those. Um, and knowing that every single day it's going to be that much harder because the body, no matter how much sleep you got, you're still going to be tired and you're still, you know, I, you know, I've done it. You do a 300 mile day in the saddle and you're not even in the dirt most of the time. And, and the next morning you wake up and go, mm, yeah, I'm feeling it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. R- rinse yeah. and repeat that for 12 days and let's see how it goes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to set up a bike, right? Okay. What, you know, if I call you and it's, uh, I've got my KTM 500 EXC and I'm, I want to get into this. I want to dip my feet into rally raid. What, um, uh, what's the conversation we're going to have? 
Well, it it, uh, it would really depend a lot on what it is that you want to do. Um, so in order to dip your feet into Rally, um, you basically, you just need three things. So you need some way to view and change your road book. You need some kind of an accurate odometer and you need some kind of an accurate compass. And so at its most basic level, um, people can cobble together enough to sort of play with this, probably with stuff that they already have. Um, so, you know, if you want to just just have a basic experience of this, um, there are some really good apps for, you know, phones and iPads um, and that kind of thing. Uh, Rally Navigator makes a really great one um, that allows you to create a simple roadbook, display it on a screen that you've got, um, and, uh, you know, it'll display an odometer as well. And so that would kind of give you the the really basic experience of of what this is like um it's important to understand that 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 stuff is really quite limited um and it's a it's a a great way to kind of mock it up it's a great way to to play with it and do some light training um but it, it really it's it's not acceptable for any of the um kind of sanctioned races for sure uh and it simply just doesn't work that well um and and the reasons for that i mean we've all um, for those of us that have been around motorcycles for a while, uh, realize the, um, the toll that, uh, that being on a motorcycle takes on a piece of electronics. And most of those consumer electronics really aren't up to the task. Uh, and you also get into issues around, you know, the switches, how you control it, um, doesn't work terribly well. Um, heat issues, uh, screen visibility issues, um, the accuracy of the GPS, um, all of those sorts of things. So it starts with, you know, kind of that, if you were somebody that never intended on racing, but you wanted to, to try this, you know, we can set you up with stuff like that. And we've got a, a variety of brackets and things to help you mount that stuff up if you wanted to go that way. Um, the next level above that is to get into an actual proper road book. And the, uh, so this is something that, uh, that holds that paper scroll that has all of the, uh, navigation information on it. Um, and they can, they start off being fairly inexpensive, um, looking at, uh, you know, a basic manual road book. Uh, and these are something that are, are quite popular in particular in, uh, in Europe. Um, you know, that people are putting on their, on their GSs and things like that. Um, you know, and they start around $120 and it's, uh, it's, um, a proper sized high quality road book, but no lighting, no motor, no switches, none of that complexity. Uh, and so that's kind of that next level that allows you to kind of play and experiment and give that a try. Um, but with a very minimal, uh, investment. Um, if you think you actually might want to race, um, the next level above that is a, is a proper electric road book. And so that's something where there's basically an electric motor inside the road book that will scroll that, uh, that road book, um, forwards and backwards for you. And there's a little thumb switch on your grip, um, that you do to, that you use to do that. Uh, and we've put together a, a basic kit, uh, and it's all the kind of professional quality gear, but just the, um, the simplest possible stuff. Um, 
that you would need to run uh, a race like Sonora or Baja Rally um, or really any any rally in the world. We've used this kit, um, you know, in Tunisia and we've used it in South America. And uh, it's you're looking at kind of around the $750 mark for something that gives you everything you need. So an electric roadbook holder, um, a, uh, um, a, a rally quality uh, odometer, all the clamps and brackets to mount all of that stuff up, all the switches that you need, all the power connections, that kind of thing. Uh, and then from there, you you scroll up into um, you know it, the our full Cadillac kit um, has um, much higher quality and, and larger um, uh, screens um, for the rally odometer and and built-in GPS for compass and a little higher quality transmission in the electric roadbook. Uh, and the range there kind of goes from that $750 mark up to around $2,000 um, for a, a full top of the line, everything you could possibly want uh, kit. So it's nice. So, I mean, yeah, you have the three different kind of three different levels. Um, I, I've talked about the manual roadbook readers um, with Scotty from Baja Rally and, and you say, yeah, you know, you, you just don't want to get your hands off the, the controls, you know, then that's why having an electric, you know, an electric motor driven one is so much hand, more handier or I don't know, better. Yeah. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and and the uh, you know the way it's often done um, with those manual roadbook readers. If we think about some of the events in Europe as an example, um, is that people will will ride to the next note, and then they will stop their bike, and they will adjust to the next one, and then ride their bike, and then stop their bike, and. So it allows you to kind of have that roadbook experience, um, but you're absolutely right. If you intend to to ride, or in particular to race, um, electric is is definitely the the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, and I, I see. I mean, uh, F2R seems to be the the way to go on those. I mean, they're. Yeah, there there are two there are two main companies um, in the in the world. There are a couple of kind of smaller ones, but the two main ones are, are F2R uh, and MigTech. Uh, and um, a lot of the the, the F2R stuff um, is a little more user friendly. Uh, they've got a, a diversity of products in terms of price range, and generally speaking, um, particularly in North America, that's the way people choose to go. Um, some of the uh, the tower designs um, on some of the European bikes um, accept the, the profile of the MIGTEC uh, because it's a slightly different shape than the F2R. Uh, and so we sell, you know, we sell more MIGTECs in Europe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, F2R is kind of the, the way to go. We've got um, three different models from them. Okay. Yeah, I think I picked up a 730 from you not not too long ago, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. 730, it's a great road book. And, and that's the one that we have in that $750 kit. Um, you know, it's it's a professional quality road book. It's a, a little bit of an older design, um, but it, it's, uh, you know, it's it's great. I still have the very first 730 that I bought uh, ages ago, uh, and it's it's absolutely been through the ringer. Um, but uh, yeah, I still I still use it today. Nice. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's one thing. I mean, yeah, if you're going to invest in equipment, I mean, you might as well invest in something that, you know, it's going to grow with you. Um, from what you mentioned earlier, it sounds like going the electronic roadbook way might be, uh, or using an app like an iPad or something like that, you know, it'll, it'll work for a little bit, but 
you got to almost be ready to change. If you like it, you got to be ready to, to basically reinvest some more money. Yeah, I, I would say that that's true. And, you know, where, where the iPad thing fits in is for, for people that, you know, um, they're, they're using, if you want to use a tablet on your adventure bike anyway, um, because of the mapping features or things like that, this is an easy, easy addition to get a couple more apps and, and you can kind of make all of that happen. Um, but it's really not a, it's not really a viable solution for a lot of people. Um, that being said, um, we should probably have a talk about, uh, electronic road books because that's that's going to be the next big thing um like if you look in some of the cars this year at dakar you could see that they were running um a uh a, a device called a unic 2 um, which is by uh, ertf um, which is the same company that does the gps's for um for dakar and uh, things are heading towards that that direction of, of dedicated um electronic road books they basically what's what's driving it is that they they end up being a lot better for the organization um in terms of their ability to control the roadbook and thwart the the map men um that you probably have spoken about in in some of your other uh your other podcasts um and you know updates are way easier for them and and all of that kind of stuff um that being said so we, we've been involved in some of the testing of um some uh, rally specific devices. Uh, ICO has one that's uh, that's going to be coming out, um, hopefully, you know, kind of within the next two years. Um, that's a complete ground up uh, rally build as an electronic roadbook. Um, so things are heading in that direction. Um, but there is a, a bit of a chicken and egg issue where um, until those devices get accepted by the by the races, um, it's challenging for a company to invest the money to to build and design it because that's not an inexpensive project. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, the uh, I know I've been rambling a little bit about electronic roadbooks, but the the short version of that story is um, ten years from now, I, I expect that we're all going to be using you know something like the ICO Tower One. Um, but um, for the next, I would say six or seven years, um, we're all still going to be using the paper system. And even beyond that, the paper system, I think, will still be the way to go for um, for the recreational rider, for the sportsman rider. Yeah. No, and I, I completely agree with that. And I think we touched on that, too, with, with Scott about it, that, you know, it's looking at it from the from the organizer standpoint, it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to ask the participant to purchase an ICO that that tower one, if I'm making it mandatory and if everybody else has got it, like if nobody else is using it and we're only using it for this event, I feel like that might be a, a entry barrier for some people. It's like, wait, I've got all this money invested in my navigation sit system and now I got to go buy this thing. Um, yeah. it, I, I, I agree. It's it's coming, but it's just not as fast as maybe some people like, you know, you get into the forums and it's like, oh, man, you know, doom and gloom and, you know, electronic road books by the end of the week. And, you know. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding, um, particularly on the adventure bike side of the family uh, around what those electronic road books will look like. Um, so from a hardware perspective, it's easy to kind of grasp that uh, they're basically going to be a 
uh, a ground up hardened uh, tablet style machine. Um, but what's going to be fundamentally different about them is, you know, compared to a, a tablet running an app is that the software is going to be extremely locked down um, because it, it basically becomes in order to prevent any kind of cheating or anything like that, it has to be really, really locked down. And, and so it's um, they're going to be fantastic. I loved working with this, uh, the prototype tower one that we've tested. Um, but it is going to be, you know, likely just very specifically a, a rally device. Um, mm -hmm. because anything that has, um, you know, mapping capability, like, like your iPad or something like that won't work in a, uh, rally environment just from a, um, from a, a cheating perspective yeah. um, and and the other thing too like when we, we talk about the the uh, device being used at Dakar right now part of ERTF's model is that they don't sell their like the GPS's that, that, that are used at Dakar ERTF does not sell those to consumer uh, so the organization has those and then they get rented to the racer and that's currently what's happening with their electronic roadbook and I expect that that will that will continue to be the case yeah yeah, I think I I want to say I went to Sonora like two. It was two. Yeah, it wasn't last year because that's when we went on COVID lockdown. It was the year before. Mm -hmm. I rode down and I was hanging out with Mike Johnson from Rally Comp and helping them. And I believe I saw what I thought was like a prototype for the road, for the, or for the Tower One. Yeah, yeah, you would have. Um, okay. Yeah, in, in Sonora in 2019, um, we did a, an entire, um, there was actually a class, um, they called it experimental class. Uh, but I think we had five bikes or six bikes uh, in that class. And, uh, and, and everyone ran the Tower One. And the whole point of that was to test how that works from a organizer's perspective, from a racer's perspective. Um, yeah, I was one of those one of those riders. And, and uh, would highly recommend it yeah yeah i i was at first glance well one i saw uh dave peckham beat on the thing you know, <laughs> to prove a point and, yep. and and then you know and then the fact that like in the sunlight it's just absolutely crazy how clear you can see it and i can tell you or actually anybody that listens to the podcast or anybody that ever knows if you've gotten the wrong angle on your on your iPhone or on whatever Samsung you're on, you can't see any, the screen goes blank. You just, the glare is so bad that, you know, it, it wouldn't work to have your, your normal run of the mill consumer electronic. It's gotta be, like you said, it's, it's something that's purpose built designed to be red in the sun and all types of light conditions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, I mean, one of the things, um, you know, I, I've been at a, a number of events over the years, uh, you know, roadbook style or, or underground events that uh, where people are using iPads and uh, without exception, um, people have ended up having to kind of stop and sort stuff out because their, their phone or their tablet um, uh, blacked out because of heat. Uh, if yes. you ever let your ever let your phone, you know, sit on the seat of your car uh, on a warm day, your phone will shut off. And, and so, like, there's there's you know heat dissipation issues and all sorts of fairly technical things that went into that. Yeah, um, yeah. and we're digressing a little bit, but I, I want to say too that from a rider's perspective, um, I really one of the things I really liked about that testing we did was. Um, 
I didn't actually look at the road book until I was writing the road book. And so I didn't see the note that I was writing until I arrived at that note. And it created this, this fantastically challenging, interesting, um, kind of way of navigating that I really enjoyed. Uh, and it, it made me realize too, for myself that, um, the the all of the stuff around uh, marking and prepping a road book um, so much of that wasn't as integral to the experience uh, and act of rally as I thought it was um, it actually going back to that it feels like a lot more housekeeping now and less less racing yeah. Um, so yeah I'm 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 a big big fan of uh, of going that way um, and we'll see that too even with the paper road books the the shift towards pre-marked road books Mm-hmm. Um, so we're seeing that happening at a lot of races, including Dakar, um, that, uh, you know, they're, they're coming from the org with a standard set of, uh, uh, a marking protocol. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I saw the update in rally navigator. Now you have that option to, to auto highlight, you know, or basically auto color the, the road books and, and it's starting to do that. And then, you know, now I, I didn't get the exact number, but I think they only give you the road book like 15 minutes before you take off. At Dakar, you're talking about yeah, Dakar, yeah, yeah. I think it was 20, but yeah, the, you know, the the the, the same thing applies. Um, that it, it's to thwart the the mat men, and you know, I think it it, uh, it it levels the playing field a little bit too, um, so that there's less of a gap between um, you know the, the the elite riders and everybody else. And I think we saw that play out over the last couple of years when we when we look at at Dakar uh, in particular that. It, Really, you know, on say stage four or stage five of this event, you look at the top 10 field and any one of those guys in the top 10 could have been on the podium. Yeah. And we didn't see that at all if you go back like four years or five years. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, and that, I mean, like, you know, for basically how I say, you know, people playing the home game, it's that's been the long standing thing is that there's people out there that, you know, you hand them a road book and give them an hour and next thing you know you've got a gps file that you can follow and it was ruining the integrity of the the map and putting people that didn't have that ability that funding or however they got it um it was ruining the sport for the privateer the people that don't have that kind of a resource and so by what they're doing now you know well obviously the electronic roadbook is going to be like the ultimate but now limiting how long the roadbook is in possession of the rider um, is thwarting all of that. And it's, it's helping eliminate a lot of it. And now we're actually seeing some racing, exactly like what you said. It's like, wait, am I looking at this right? It's like three minutes separating the top 10 on this stage or, you know, five minutes. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exciting stuff. I, you know, I really think that that's the, that's the future is, is, um, yeah, more more navigation and ways to make rally really about the rally and less about kind of the housekeeping and the uh, you know these kind of opportunities to uh, uh, to, to flex large budgets and cheap uh, cheat I should say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it. I mean, it's it will put and it will put. It, even if you don't memorize the whole thing, and and I think there's a couple of people that got popped for having. Uh, I like what the Dakar did. I think it was last year, uh, nineteen, where they stopped everybody in the middle of the stage and had them tear the first half of the road book out, and they mm-hmm. were look, they were looking for markings, and they were looking for. And I think somebody showed up with directions on their tank, 
Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, you know, it's like, that's the kind of stuff that they're trying to get rid of. So I think, you know, I come from the off-road background and in the race organization that releases all of the checkpoints. So then racers can create basically their own race because the race is from checkpoint to checkpoint, you know, who knows what race course they're running on. Yeah. And so this changes that game completely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that aspect of it. You know, everybody's on the same playing field. And even if you're, as long as your bike makes the distance, you know, <laughs> as long as yeah. it's mechanically sound. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that this is, you know, one of the things uh, that, you know, as a sport we have to grapple with is, is how to, how to stay true to the heart of rally um, while also doing what we can to make it as safe as reasonable um, for the competitors. And and that's one of those things too, is, is finding ways to uh, increase the difficulty without increasing the speed. Uh, And and this sort of thing does that I think fairly well. Yeah. I, you know, I agree. I mean, just, just alone, uh, just the idea that there's no road markers, there's no GPS track to follow slows everybody down anyway, you know, and, but there's more opportunities. And I mean, typically the terrain seems to be faster when you compare it like to some of the Baja races and, and their rough versus the rough that I've seen down there. And a lot of people have seen is, is not the same, you know, Mm. they're not referring to the same type of rough than beat up. So I know they they did that with limiting the tires, right? Trying to get people to conserve tires a little bit more this time around, and so there's a lot of things in play yeah. for that. Yeah, for sure. I, I won't uh, I won't pretend to be a an expert on the tire issue, but that one that one didn't sit as well with me um, as some of the increasing the navigation stuff. But uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll see how that if, if that rule sticks around or, or what they end up doing with that. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think there was a lot more negative feedback on that, and I don't know that that would be coming back, or there might be some other kind of compromise or something. But yeah, yeah. So roping it back to the uh, the equipment side of it. So we went yeah, yeah. through. So the the kits that you were talking about were really more like a handlebar, the handlebar mount type stuff, correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. And and so yeah, for people that haven't seen this stuff, it's it's basically a, a set of arms that clamp around your handlebar that reach forward about seven inches, and then there's a uh, a horizontal round aluminum bar uh, that kind of connects the two of them. And then your roadbook uh, or your GPS or your tablet or whatever um, mounts onto that bar. So that's that's kind of our basic system. Gotcha. Okay. So and then with that. I, I think that's like the entry level, right? For a lot of people, I'm sure that's probably your most like the kit with the most volume that you, you get out. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it ends up being something that is um, it's inexpensive uh, and it has the the advantage um, compared to some of the the full dress rally bikes of being something where you can literally in four or five minutes convert your bike from enduro to rally and and uh, and switch it back again. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of an advantage of of the simple clamp system. Yeah. And tell me, so I was on your website and I, I was stoked to see the, the, the Sonora tower. Yeah. You guys are, so now we're doing, so now this would be another step higher because now you're putting a fairing on it. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. So our, our Sonora tower, um, it, it's, uh, it, it's super exciting and I, I don't, 
want to make this sound like a like a sales pitch, but I am super excited about it. Um, basically, what uh, what we've done is we've partnered with a um, uh, a high-end uh, mountain bike manufacturer and um, using the same kind of forming technology that they use and welding technology that they use to make their uh, mountain bike frames, we've built a center spar style um, support, basically like a like a navigation tower that bolts onto the headstock of the bike uh, and then carries your all of your navigation gear and all of that sort of stuff. And then it has a, a small windscreen um, that is not connected to the sides of the bike. Uh, and so the, the whole, I can get into some of the details if, if you'd like, but the whole design criteria of that for us was to um, go away from the, the big full uh, adventure bike style uh, navigation tower fairings um, that uh, that other companies are making, and and there are lots of good ones out there. Um, you know, if you're interested in that style of thing, uh, Moto Minded uh, makes a fantastic one in the USA. Um, but we wanted to do something a little bit different than that because we wanted something that was going to be stronger. Um, because that that monocoque construction is obviously stronger than a bolted together aluminum plate style, uh, and we wanted something that wasn't going to restrict the um, the handling. Of the bike. So one of the things that's happened in rally bikes, particularly over the last five years, is that they've gotten uh, much, much lighter and more nimble. So if you look at um, the factory Yamaha bikes at Dakar, if you look at the Shirkos, even if you look at the KTM, that big navigation tower fairing thing that used to be there is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's it's barely connected. The uh, windscreen is barely connected to the tank uh, if it's connected at all. And the reason for that is that these these bikes are getting lighter and they're getting faster. Um, and most of our customers are, are riding a KTM or Husqvarna um, 450 or 500. Um, it's kind of the most common one. We're also seeing some Betas and Shirkos. Um, but these bikes come from an enduro background. And so they're beautifully handling motorcycles. Uh, and if you suddenly go and add 15 pounds of crap on the front of the bike, um, you restrict the turning radius, you really affect the handling. Um, it's just not the right thing. And so like the, the metal work on our tower is um, uh, basically a pound and a half. And so we're somewhere around a third of the weight of other towers. Uh, and because it's so tapered and narrow, you've got full handlebar swing as well. So we wanted to really make it a, a rider's tower. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's, perfect because yeah i agree and and i mentioned that earlier is like you're watching these guys throw these bikes around in dakar and they look big but they're not yeah they, i mean yeah they hide their weight very very well and it's not a lot of weight to hide you know yeah and so something like this like i've seen i've seen it growing i've seen more quote unquote dirt bikes that are putting fairings on them because they do do longer stints on highways and they do do longer rides on them, you know, but at the same time, like you see, you don't want to ruin the bike by hanging, you know, all this, all this stuff off the front of it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I had a customer and, and, and again, like there are, um, there are lots of great full towers out there. And if that's your jam, then, then that's awesome. Like I'm not in any way trying to piss on people that ride those or people that make them. Um, but I had a customer the other day, he, he summed it up 
to me in a, in a way that makes a lot of sense. Um, he said a lot of the, he, he sees, he sees a lot of those full, uh, full rigs as kind of a cosplay like thing. Like it's, this is what a rally bike is supposed to look like, uh, based on kind of that old style, like based on the old, you know, KTM, uh, 950 and that whole look. And so people, people who want that look, um, there are lots of ways to skin that cat. Um, we kind of designed our thing from a blank piece of paper and how do we make this the, the strongest, toughest thing that we can make um, that will not affect the handling of the bike at all. Um, so yeah, it's, and, and we're actually, you know, you, you bring up the adventure riding thing. That's actually um, one thing that surprised us um, as we're shipping these towers all over the world uh, is how many people are buying them um, because they want to run their 500 uh, or their 501 uh, as an adventure bike. And so they, they want a little bit of a windscreen and they want some place to hang their GPS, um, but they don't want to, you know, they, they want to put four or five pounds on the front instead of 12 or 13 or 15. Yeah. Well, that was like, you know, back in the, it, it, the, I guess the, the proof of concept is back in the day, you know, when you would look at the bikes that were doing the Baja, you know, dual eight inch lights, you know, or if it was the team green bike, you know, the two, eight inch, and then that six inch on top yeah. and off the front of the frame. Yeah. You know, that's not, you know, and obviously that affects the way the bike handles and, and does. And now the lights have been getting smaller and smaller, you know, and it, for the same reason, you know, they're trying to lighten up and, and not affect, uh, not affect it as much. So, yeah, yeah. and actually in, in talking about this, so wait, so then that also, that's something to consider when you go with the handlebar kit, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So the handlebar kit is, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's designed to kind of find that sweet spot between, um, not being, uh, any heavier than it needs to be, uh, but still giving you all of the durability that you need. Uh, and, um, but it is, uh, and it, it works great. I've run it myself for a whole ton of rallies as have, um, lots of people in our team. You know, we, 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 the, the, the clamps, frankly, are our most popular product uh, out of all of them. Um, but uh, it does change the handling of the bike when you put that weight on the handlebars um, compared to mounting it on the frame. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, but this is some, everybody's going to kind of find their their niche and how much they're willing to spend, you know, to get to get into it. Uh, but mm -hmm. the, wind, the wind protection, I'll tell you, is, I mean, obviously is one of the main things uh, on, on the longer days. And that was also something that Scott mentioned, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's worth its weight. <laughs> it, it, it absolutely is. It really is. It, it, uh, and those are the things too, you know, I, I, we talked about a little bit early on how a successful rally racer is fast, but also navigates and takes care of his bike and his body and taking care of the body is something that, that a lot of people who are new to the sport, um, don't they, they don't quite realize until they've had the experience what a difference that makes and so those little things like a, a seat that is comfortable and that little bit of wind protection um yeah makes all all the difference in the world yeah and and it, it may not you know it may not solve the problem completely but it leaves a little bit more in the tank you know maybe the the wind protection or the seat you know at least maybe you don't end up as sore but you're still sore but it could be a lot worse yeah you know? and, and so yeah, yeah. so it, it, prolonging it i think is the 
and being able to push your limit a little bit more and it's just setting the bike up taking your time setting it up and and doing that yeah um, for sure all right yeah. so then there's a group of people and i almost fall into this category where uh you know what i'm just i want the best of the best mm-hmm. and and right now it happens to be the the hondas seem to be doing pretty good I know KTM was probably looking forward to starting the streak over again this year, but that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, you know it's <laughs> it's it's an exciting time for sure, and and uh, it's something that we're seeing. Um, yeah, we're we're seeing a, a ton of interest in uh, in the Honda 450s. Uh, and they're a great rally platform. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know when when people ask me, you know, what bike should I should I ride? They're they're definitely they're definitely in the hunt for that for sure. Um, for the the kind of sportsman rider, you're going to see a lot more of the KTM's and um, uh, Husqvarna's. Um, but that is that tide is definitely shifting, uh, and we're working hard to you know we we designed some specific brackets uh, to make our Sonora Tower fit onto the Honda 450s. Uh, and we also carry um, the RS Moto kit for the Honda 450s, which is basically as close as you can get to, uh, to you know, a, a factory uh, 450 rally. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of oil coolers and um, a four tank system and the way all that's plumbed, um, the, the fairing system, um, foot pegs like it's the the it would take me 10 minutes to go through the whole spec list for you but um you know we can we can help with that kind of build if if that's something that people want to do yeah yeah and i well actually and i just clicked into the site to look at um to look at those at those kits and yeah and you're right there you know there's a few more ktms on the page but i think with honda now coming to the game with their with basically a street legal 450 Mm-hmm. it's you know we're, i think that it's going to start to grow because there are a lot of people i mean i get it all the time you know oh, you ride one of those orange bikes you drank the kool-aid you know it's uh what color should i order that for you in orange you know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> you get grouped into that but um so now with them having that i think that yeah there's probably going to be a lot more hondas but um so yeah, on your website though, I'm looking at it and it, it looks like you've guys got a bunch of different kits that kind of at your disposal. Yeah, yeah, we do, and we have access to um, to the the Rebel kits as well. Um, the uh, you know, so if, if people aren't as comfortable ordering that stuff from Europe, um, we can we can bring that in on your behalf. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, there there are lots of uh, there are lots of good options and way to skin that cat. Um, you know, it's, it, again, I don't want this to sound like a, like a commercial, um, but one of the things that really has, has, we've seen shift is people are going away from our full dress kits and going with that, with the Sonora tower. Um, I think in part because it works better and, uh, also just because of the way it's designed, like we put a five-year guarantee on, you know, you crash it, you do whatever. If you uh, break your metalwork, we'll give you a new one. Um, and that's one of those things that you don't find on any of the other kits um, because they're not, they don't have the same level of engineering. Um, you know, so that's been a really kind of big, uh, big driver, I think, for both our, our rally and our adventure market. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then like I said, you know, we mentioned earlier is it seems like the 500s, are turning into the kind of the bike of choice with people trying to go to a lighter, you know, lighter platform. And, you know, it's like, I wish, 
they like the stuff that's available for the 690 obviously the 790 out now but they still want that 450 500 weight bike and it seems like that's the right touch to what they need yeah yeah well and and i I think if we're if we're really honest about it like if if we're talking about events like uh sonora or baja rally uh it's my personal opinion that that a a full ktm rfr is not a better bike um for those kind of events um so if we were looking at uh, a bike where you've got or excuse me an event where you've got you know big open sections and you've got big desert and you've got all of that happening, then absolutely that's a better bike. But when you look at things, you know, like what we see in, in Northern Mexico, where the events are not as fast, they're more technical. Um, you, the distances are not as big for fuel. So you don't need, uh, you don't need all that fuel range. Um, you know, these, uh, these rally light style bikes, um, I think in some ways are actually a better choice. Um, even if even if costs were no option, uh, yeah. you know we put uh, put a, a one gallon rear tank on your uh, on your KTM uh, or your Husqvarna, and you know an IMS or a Turbis um, desert tank on the front, and you've got all the range that you could possibly need to run um, any of the Mexican events. Yeah, yeah, and and I agree with that. I mean, just going back and and you know the people that I'm keeping track of and and looking at that, and we have had a couple of KTM RFRs come through. Uh, you know, from the the big guys garage camp and 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 literally one of the RFRs that you can only get you know everywhere else except the U.S. Apparently, yeah. Um, and cool factor, yes, but it wasn't the it wasn't the lead. Like it didn't have an outright advantage, you know, because the fuel stop was still mandatory. So it's not you know it's not like you could blow past it and and then not you know, use that to an advantage. So, you know, you're right. I think that for a lot of the local events and to get into it and do all that stuff, it's, you know, it's the bike to, or it's, it's the right amount of equipment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it totally is. And, and, and part of what's, it's the right tool for the job and it's, it's so great for, um, for the, the riders that we've got in the U S and Canada, because we, so many people have that bike already. And so your, your cost of entry to get into rally is, is not, it's not ridiculous. It's not like you have to buy a specific motorcycle to do it. You can show up with that, that kind of dual sport, uh, enduro bike that you've already got, um, bolt on one of our kits and away you go. Um, and, and just, you know, as far as that cost of entry thing, uh, I, I don't want to make it sound like that kind of $750 mark is, is, uh, chump change because it's not for a lot of people. Um, but one of the things, one of the kind of policies that we have with, uh, with our navigation kits is if someone buys a kit from us and they go and they race and for whatever reason rally isn't for them, um, there's always a hungry market for used gear and we will help them sell that gear. Uh, and that's been our policy for a long time. And I have yet to have a single person take us up on it. Um, you know, cause people get so, you know, they get caught up in it and, and, and love it. Um, but, uh, you know, you can kind of offset some of that minor cost of entry through, through those kind of things. Yeah. I, you know, and it's funny you said, I was literally thinking about that because it's like, okay, well, if I need like, uh, you know, I've been looking for an ICO, hmm. you can't find them used. Yeah, totally. Which means that when they go up, they're gone or they yeah. just don't go up at all. Yeah. For sale. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's one of those things that you're, you're like, yeah, I, I, I literally, it dawned on me going, no, people that get into this stay. Yeah. 
and and that's what's cool about it so it's like you know now now it's all right it would just need to have like what you're doing already i mean you are a one-stop shop i mean from left to right literally it's how far do you want to get into this sport and you've you know, i mean you've got everything on the site so well, and thanks and, and that's yeah that's that's part of our goal um you know the uh one of the things that's been a challenge as a rally customer uh over the years and was a challenge for me before i got into the industry was that you couldn't compare um you know two different manufacturers because no one no one carried a wide range of this stuff and that's part of what we're trying to trying to to change is to carry you know all of the all of the trip meters that you want um you know we have six different kinds of of the trip meters of like the ico style things um and a variety of different road books and and kind of all of that so we can find the right fit for people um but yeah you're absolutely right about the used gear market like it's it, it is almost non-existent yeah and, and part of that too is, you know, we talked a little bit about the iPad thing, um, versus some of the rally gear, the, the stuff that, um, you know, these, these rally specific pieces are, they're so high quality, um, that they last. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, people aren't, uh, you know, we get, I get customers. I had one the other day, um, you know, wanting a, a, a new sensor cable for his ICO that, uh, is like 14 years old, right? Like yeah. it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I've totally, and I've seen it because you see pictures of kits, you know, and people post pictures up of their, you know, they're out doing a road book and you see the icon and go, damn, that thing's like Gen 1. Yeah, yeah, old, you know, old <laughs> silver, old silver ones with a tiny little screen and yeah, it's, yeah. it's great. It's super still cool. hanging out, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the, the testament to the, to the product, obviously, but yeah, it's, mm. uh, and then that's the other uh, I guess that's something I, I hadn't really thought about it. And, and I am totally in this. I want the latest and greatest, but you know, the latest and greatest, that cycle of gear and that cycle of stuff doesn't really happen in this industry. Right. I mean, the, the ICO, the most recent version, the rally max G, right. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's got its improvements. It's done. Nice, but you know, the gap between it and the last version of it is not like it was 10 minutes. I mean, it, they were around for a long time before they made these upgrades. It, it's true. It's true though. You know, it, there is, and, and that's one area where there is kind of a, a little bit of a cyclic thing happening. So there was the, the old style Icos, uh, and they got eclipsed, um, by that max series. And there's the max G, which is the GPS version and the max two, which is the wheel sensor version. Uh, and they were, they came out, I think, uh, I want to say five years ago, four and a half or five years ago. Uh, and you know, it was, uh, a, a, a big jump in readability and in software and um, durability, like a huge jump. Um, and, and they are still world-class. Like if you take a look at the, any of the pictures from Dakar, that's what you're going to see on the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been kind of that next evolution in tech um, with RNS, uh, not to be confused with us, RMS, um, but uh, RNS from uh, Germany, they have their Tripmaster series. And this is the other kind of big manufacturer of uh, trip meters of, of rally odometers and what they've done is is, it's kind of that next generation of technology so rather than um kind of your your digital clock style um lcd display they've got something that uh is uh, much larger allows much more um uh, a lot of different information to be displayed and so on their screen you can look at things like you can have multiple things showing on the screen at once so your cap heading and your speed uh, and your odometer 
Um, and there's features in there like um, whereas the the ecosystem has an external antenna um, for the GPS, the uh, the new Tripmaster series has an internal antenna, so you know one less cable, one less thing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can you know kind of run through the spec list, but I don't want to sound this like a don't want this to sound like a commercial. But the, the point the point is is that is that uh, um, there kind of is that next generation kind of happening right now um, with the trip meters. So you know the ICO is still the the world standard, but uh, I would imagine that within a few years, um, you know, we'll be seeing a lot more of the RNS uh, Trip Master series. Nice. Yeah, I have seen that. I did see some some pictures of it. And I was like, oh, that does look nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so, but, yeah. yeah. They're they're billet aluminum cases, and uh, yeah, they've got all all of the things. Yeah. Um, and, and we worked with RNS uh, earlier this year to um, design some new switches as well. And so um, we've got a, a series of switches that um, are six button switches. And so you know most rally riders are are controlling um, you know two trip meters um, or you know a trip meter and a rally comp or something like that. And trying to manage uh, buttons for all of that is is awkward. And so what we now have are billet aluminum six button switches that allow you to control multiple devices out of one single switch. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did see that, and then a friend of mine's got that on his uh, on his bike, and nice. that that thing is jewelry. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the level of fabrication um, on that stuff is is impressive. Yeah, nice, nice. All right. Well, okay. So the last question in in closing, and I, you know, we talked Scott a little bit about this and and getting into the sport, but. If somebody came up to you and didn't know about it, what would be your recommendation for getting into this? Like, what would be your path to signing up for your first rally? That's a great question. And that's one of those things that uh, I, I have that conversation actually on a pretty much a daily basis. Um, so uh, there's there's uh, a few different things you can kind of tie together. So there's a ton of good information on the web. And if anybody is interested, um, I will happily send you some links and I, I can send them to you, Victor, as well. You can yeah. put them in your show notes if you want. Um, but, uh, you know, things, things to read um, that kind of uh, videos to watch to kind of give you some basic information kind of give you a sense of the the experience um i always encourage people to to start making roadbooks uh i think one of the best ways to really understand a roadbook is to make some yourself and it's super easy uh the rally navigator um software um i think is rallynavigator.com i'm sure you can find it with google um but they've got a, a software system and it's the same stuff that's used uh in races all over the world and you can use it to uh draw yourself a roadbook to go to the grocery store in your neighborhood um and i can tell you that the roadbook or excuse me rally navigator is actually in the midst of a, a big upgrade so in the relatively near future you're going to see an, an even more powerful um uh, more user-friendly rally navigator. So I encourage people to, to make those roadbooks and kind of get that experience um, and uh, connect with people in your region. Um, you know, we've got uh, rally riders uh, all over all over the world, but all over the U.S. and Canada. I mean, it's uh, beside me here in my office. I have a, a world map where I stick a pin in it um, kind of when we, uh, when we ship somewhere. And uh, the, the U.S. is basically full of pins. 
um, and uh, Canada is as well. And, and so there's, you know, we can help connect people and, and that's always a good thing. Um, there's all kinds of great training opportunities too. And, and I don't know, uh, I know Scott does some, some fantastic stuff. Um, you know, Jimmy Lewis does some great stuff out in Nevada. Uh, the uh, rally comp guys have done some fantastic stuff down in Texas. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some of the other ones, uh, you know, the, um, the events often have schools before them as well, uh, which are which are great. Um, highly recommend that. Um, and then the the last thing I would say, just to just to put a bow on it, is if you want to try this, just go try it. Um, you know, like it's uh, one of the things that's super super cool about rally in North America that's totally different than any other sport you'll experience is you can be that guy that has never done it before and you can stand on the same start line as the guy that just won Dakar. Mm-hmm. And, and you deserve to be there, right? Like this is, uh, the, the, the basic understanding of how to run a rally is really simple. And if you just show up, you know, I think you, in your last episode, you talked about people that are kind of there for the experience. If you want to just show up and try and ride a clean, a clean race, um, and not make nav mistakes, that is, that is legit. You make it to the finish. That is something to be proud of. Yeah. Uh, and anybody with some basic riding skills and the desire to do it can make that happen. Um, so, you know, the, the, the biggest piece I think for people is I, I, I encourage them to let go of any feelings that they have of feeling like they, they wouldn't be able to cope with, um, showing up at Sonora or, or Baja or any of the, uh, any of the, the North American rallies, because anybody that can ride a bike can show up and, and complete that event. Yeah. And, and I think you hit it on the head. I almost get goosebumps as it just, yeah, you can line up next to a guy that literally just competed podiumed in Dakar and you have a shot yeah yeah at legitly have a shot at at besting them on a stage like yeah. uh, you know line up at the baja 500 and try and feel that way. a whole different oh, story. yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> whole story yeah and and uh, and you're gonna sit next to that guy in the, in the bivouac and uh and eat a steak uh, later that evening right yeah like it's like that's that is what is so cool about this like if you it, and the other option too and and uh you know forgive the plug but um go and volunteer um for the events too is another great one so like if you don't feel like this is your year to go race yeah. um the the events that exist in in north america run on um, quality volunteers and if you just want to go and see what it feels like and talk to the people and and watch it happen um you know the the uh, the events in north america would love to have you yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's how, I mean, <laughs> I asked my good friend for a sticker and, and a year later I was race director at Baja Rally. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, hey, you guys need help. <laughs> that's, Next thing that's I know. how it goes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's totally how it goes. Uh, and it's, it's yeah. Into it. yeah. Yeah. And, and this year in, in right, like, uh, you mentioned about like the events, I know that, uh, Darren and Sonora Rally, they put on their school and they, they, you know, I know this year they took uh, the Matlocks under their wing and helped train them for Polaris and, and get them, you know, over to the car. I think even Darren's over there with them um, right now. And then I know on, on the Baja rally end of it, I know that the rally rookie class is now basically a school class, but it's literally at the event. So yeah you do the class before like literally the day before you go out like there's a whole curriculum that you got to read and then from there it 
Uh, you're getting coached through the event on a live stage, which is nice because it's the real experience. But then all the assets are there, safety and and the chase and the the entire staff and so and and bivouacs and all that stuff. So I mean, yeah, I, both events, both you know, with the rally series from Baja Rally and then the Sonora Rally, I know that they do do their uh, they do their classes. Yeah, at least yeah. I'll train people. So there you go. Yeah. So it'll be uh well, I'm I'm curious to see. We got to get some more of those pins to start getting into events and then having some fun out there. Yeah, well, it's uh, we'll see what uh, see what comes of it when uh, you know they, they, the world settles down a little bit with with COVID and how the events go this year. But uh, there are um, so many people, uh, so many new riders who are keen on it. Like I'm, I'm expecting the events this year to to fill up. Um, whatever whatever goes ahead will uh, will definitely be uh, full. Yeah. And yeah. it's and, and, and it's been a waiting game. I talked to a few a uh, few people up from Canada, and it's saying you know I I know that Canada is a little bit more strict on letting people back in uh, after they've traveled abroad, um, and and I know that that's putting a, a damper on things. We talked about it, and I go, well, it's the winter up there, so people don't want to be up there. They want to be they want to be <laughs> warmer weather. So yeah, yeah this, this is the time of year. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean, where, where I live, I, I I need to mow my lawn. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this is the time of year where I, I usually take a trip down to the desert and uh, and uh, get a bit of seat time in. Um, yeah, unfortunately for us, the uh, yeah one of the big challenges is the uh, the U.S. Canada border is still closed, mm-hmm. and so um, I, I could in theory fly down, but I can't drive my truck down with my bike and and all of that stuff, which is uh, a bit limiting. Um, but we'll see. You know, I'm mean, here's hoping that uh, vaccinations and and all that good stuff uh, that uh, cooler heads prevail and we get some good policy and uh, things things uh, things start getting better soon. Yeah, we've got a we've got a little bit of time before the events, you know, get going. And yeah. and in the meantime, doesn't mean you can't practice. And that's a good tip. What you said, you know, is you know, might as well jump in and start making your own roadbook. And that way you can kind of I think it's like you you're gonna pick up the language a lot faster when somebody else hands you one of their roadbooks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess I mean one other thing I, I didn't mention that uh that comes up sometimes as well is like I'm, I'm not a I'm not a big video game guy I'm, I'm a go outside and race motorcycles guy but um, there is a, a, a Dakar I think it's called Dakar 18 um, video game um, that you can play on your PC or, or whatever console system you have and it's not a fantastic game but what's super cool about it is it basically you've got road books and then you go and you drive a bike or a car or a truck through the desert and you follow the road book and it allows you different levels of support so you can have a co-driver reading that stuff to you or you can look at it yourself and uh you know for a very modest investment um it allows people to kind of do some do some dry land training um with that stuff too and and uh um, yeah, that, that can be super fun. Uh, if you look on Google, uh, or not on Google, I should say on, on YouTube, um, Manny Lucchesi, uh, in Italy, um, put up this super cool video of him basically doing that of, of dry land training, um, for Dakar, um, using this video game just as a way of running road books in his, uh, in his living room, uh, in the middle of the night. And that, you know, the the underlying on that is all of these guys that are super competitive or or that have they've that's all they do you look at 
like Ricky Brabeck's social social media and Instagram, and it's like it seems like every other weekend he's out riding a road book. Yeah, doing that stuff. So any exposure you can get to it on a consistent basis is just going to make it, you know, that much easier. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think people will find too if they start um, connecting with other people that are interested in this wherever they happen to be um, that uh, that that kind of stuff is happening and and you get four or five guys together and one guy's created the, you know, or, or, or gals, um, has created the, uh, uh, created the road book and everyone else is out running it. Um, you know, that stuff is, is super fun and super social and yeah, great, uh, a great time in addition to great training. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's a good idea. You know, if you get a group of people together and you know, all right, you're, it's your turn this week. Yeah. And so I think that that will, uh, help create, you know, and, and they can throw in surprises and throw stuff in. And then, like we said, you know, you've been down this trail a million times, but you don't know what your friend put in store for you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Left, left on to faint trail, more or less visible. <laughs> and then you get, you know, the, then you get a scolding when you get back and no, that wasn't there. And that wasn't, <laughs> No, it's because you missed it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, but awesome. Well, awesome. Well, Matthew, I really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, it's absolutely my pleasure. Um, you know, the, the best part about my job is that I spend most of my days talking to people about rally and about racing and, and the race they're going to do and the bike that they're building. And uh, it's just a, a real joy to get to have this chat with you. So thank you. Yeah, no, 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 I appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, I'm uh, so the plan and, and so, you know, and uh, end of the people listening is so this is going to be uh, not only will the recording be on uh, the Chasing Waypoints website, but I'm also going to write up an article and highlight some of the stuff that we talked about, like especially like the Sonora Tower, the other kits um, so that, you know, the people that are listening can kind of get an idea of like, oh, OK, this is what they're talking about. And this is what it is. And then obviously, if it's okay with you, I'll put your contact information and all this stuff so people can get a hold of you because you are one of the biggest resources. Uh, that would that would be great. Yeah, I would uh, I would love that. The more people we can connect with, um, the more people to get into this sport, uh, the better it is for all of us. And it's such an exciting growth time uh, in the U.S. and Canada right now with uh, the what's happening, not just in, in motos, but in side-by-sides as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a super exciting time in rally. Excellent question. See, you shouldn't have said that. Now we would have been by now, but uh, I didn't yeah. think about that. Okay, you're right. Side by sides. Yeah. And I've worked with them. I've come up with a quick list, and I've actually got one article I've been working on, but it's kind of taken a backseat. But is building a basically a rally vehicle out of them. I mean, they're ninety percent there. Yeah. Yeah. But. Have you sold a few setups for these guys? Quite a quite a few, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we definitely definitely do a fair bit with the side by side stuff. And uh, you know, I, I should preface this by saying that um, what I know about rallying side by side is the rally side of it. I know very little about actually building the car, so I'm not the guy to talk to about that. But as far as um, as far as how to make that a rally vehicle, yeah, we we do a fair bit of that. Um, we've got uh, yeah, people um, are using the the regular moto style 
mile um, trip meters. Uh, the ICOs are RNS. Um, we set up switch systems for them. Um, quite a few of the of the cars are, are running a, a motorcycle style um, electric road book, um, or at least having that capability, even if they end up using a, a car style um, flip style uh, road book. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's super cool. Yeah, most most of the guys that I see at the Baja Rally, they're running the motorcycle style, and so to me, I think that they would be running like the uh, on the the sissy bar or the grab bar. Yes, that they would. I think your kit, the handlebar kit, will fit. It it uh, it it does is is my understanding. Yes, uh, okay. I, I'm not an expert in those cars, and so I don't know for sure which ones it does and doesn't. But I, I have seen that as well. Um, the other thing that I've seen um, people do is just bolt it uh, straight to the the dash kind of firewall area, um, which is another way to kind of make that happen. Um, okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's totally doable. And sometimes the uh, sometimes the the switch gear is run down. Um, to uh, like the the door bars as well, just to provide a, an ergonomic position for that uh, that switching. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we, we could we could leave that to them. We yeah. we're more into the motorcycles, but still, you you have the equipment. There are ways to get the equipment that you have into the side by sides. Um, and get them uh, out there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're also um, working with both ICO and RNS um, to develop and produce some um, side-by-side specific uh, trip meters. So what's oh. happening right now is um, most of the people in the cars are running two independent uh, ICOs or, or RNS trip masters. And um, what we're what we're working on is a system that would basically be like a repeater. And so you'd have kind of one control head in front of the navigator that would be connected to a repeater screen in front of the driver. And so that navigator can display um, the cap heading or the odometer or the speed or whatever the useful piece of information is for the driver. Um, And it could be controlled easily by the navigator. so that's something that's kind of in the in the offing. Uh, we're hoping to to see that in the you know the coming year. Yeah, yeah, and I and and I can attest to that. I I know Lee, one of the guys that uh, has been a supporter of the Baja Rally. He's I think he's got like four Icos. Yeah. On his normal rally rig, you know, that he brings down, and so yeah, it's uh, it, that would be pretty cool. It's kind of yeah, yeah. consolidate it. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely skin that cat with just uh, just multiple independent devices, um, but uh, but yeah, we're working on something that would be a little bit more of a cost-effective solution um, for the side by sides. Nice. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it. So that, okay, so now I'm going to have to bring that article back up from the back burner, and because <laughs> it, it's only some basic you know basic mods that it needs to be that that needs to happen, and then you can go. Uh, yeah. the guys that I've seen that have done really well, I mean, yeah, I've seen full Baja cars do it, but then I've seen guys in pretty much a bone stock UTV do really well, uh, at it, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, and, and the results, um, the results of, you know, what's possible in a side-by-side are clear. When you look at, uh, Dakar last year, you look at uh, Dakar this year, um, and the, uh, the young, fast American teams that are taking the rally world by storm, um, they're all coming from, from California and, and the American West. Um, so yeah, it's an exciting time in side-by-side those, those cars, uh, you know, from a, from a motorcycle guy, it's been crazy watching those things go from, you know, the kind of farm vehicles that, uh, that I was familiar with to these 
full-blown crazy race cars over a period of what feels to me like just a few years right like uh yeah they're amazing cars yeah they're the technology yeah like you say i i I, I was working in the industry when it came to when the Yamaha Rhino first came out, which was still yeah. a utility vehicle. Yeah. And I remember at the sand show where it used to be $100,000, $150,000 sand buggies and, you know, with matching motorhomes and paint jobs and heated seats with ostrich leather. All of a sudden it was these rhinos taking over and it was like these $40,000 <laughs> golf carts. And I'm going, what? Yeah. And then all of a sudden that show literally went from that. And, and like you said, and in five years, there's like three sand buggies and the rest are all side by sides. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah, the performance is unreal. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, yeah, the side by sides are, are passing bikes um, yeah. in, in every event that I've been to in the last few years. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then there's my brother, my brother races in that class uh, and down in Mexico and here in Nevada and stateside. And there is a growing, you know, we'll, we'll be at the races chasing or I'll be on tracking. And then I start looking at the different classes and I go, wait, he's ahead of all of those guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's crazy, but yeah. you know, so yeah, so you're right. I mean, that's, that's something that uh, definitely some attention needs to be put on them and, and get it in there. And I think it's a, a, a great team building. I mean, you, you know, you, your significant other, maybe, I don't know how that works sometimes, but, uh, or, you know, uh, your father, son, we had a father, son team, uh, last year, the year before from Israel, yeah. uh, the son doing the navigating the dad doing the driving. And I mean, they're just, you know, having a ball posting pictures, doing all sorts of stuff. So it was, that was really cool to see. So, yeah, it totally is. And, and, uh, I mean, to that end, we've, we've put nav gear in trophy trucks. We've, we've put it in all kinds of things. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, rebel rally. Um, but it's a, a ladies event, um, that runs in, in the American West every year. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're putting this kind of nav gear or, or uh, I should say trip meters mostly, um, in, you know, Ford Broncos and, uh, Jeeps and, and all of that kind of stuff as well. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a whole whole variety of people that are getting to experience the the wonders of rally um, across a wide range of vehicles. Yeah, and it, it doesn't take much. You just need the nav equipment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <That's it. laughs> yeah. But it, it's super fun and gets super addictive. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 wonderful. Yeah, like they like uh, like we said with Scott, you know, there's something very emotional when that thing beeps at you that you nailed the waypoint. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, yeah, like I, some of the some of the moments that will stick with me my whole life have been on you know long uh, sand dune HP sections, uh, and then there's a, a turn, and then there's another turn, and then there's another turn, and then there's a waypoint. And so there are so many opportunities that if you're just off by a few degrees or your odometer's off by a little bit, all those errors will compound. But you hit that circle in the middle, that unmarked circle in the middle of nowhere in the desert, and that thing beeps. And that is like, you know, <laughs> I have I have kids, and you know my you know the birth of my kids was pretty great, and, and that kind of thing. But when that thing beeps, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it, it's not that it was better. It's just considered it's, one of those it, life events. <laughs> it is one of those life events where yeah, where everything everything lines up and it's all all right. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, here's to finding more of those. Here, here. Yeah, cool. All right, sir. Well, I will let you go, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get uh, 
we'll get some more information up on the website and then I'll get, uh, I'll get you all the links and stuff like that. And then, uh, I would appreciate the links that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, for sure. Um, to help some of these guys and, and, and get some people going, uh, going on to these events and, and what to do. Yep. Sounds great. I'll, uh, I'll throw some stuff uh, at your email and, and thanks for a great chat. Uh, reach out anytime. Yeah, no, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I know it's a Sunday and, and, and later in the day, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. All right. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.